0: It was only a few days ago that David Frum, a writer at The Atlantic and former Bush speechwriter, became the latest voice to join the angry chorus demanding that people unvaccinated for COVID-19 either receive no medical care or are treated as low priority. And they don't just mean for COVID-related treatment either. He even doubled down on his tyranny by calling the unvaccinated the, quote, malignant minority, end quote. Funny that the same people who want universal health care are also the same ones wanting to use that monopoly to kill off people they don't like. Where have I seen that movie before? Now, putting aside the obvious fact that fully vaccinated people can and do still get COVID, they can transmit COVID, and in some cases still die from COVID, and that unvax is not a byword for unhealthy or someone who made a poor decision. I want to instead stress the point that Frum's dream is already coming true, and it's ugly. It's truly ugly. We've seen people who've waited months on organ donation lists now being removed from those lists for not taking the jab. We've seen hospitals deny ivermectin to dying patients despite them having a doctor's prescription for it. And now, a group of paramedics in Southern California have been placed on leave for refusing to enter a care facility to administer medical care to a man suffering cardiac arrest. The body cam footage I'm about to show you comes from an officer who was called to the Rialto Post-Acute Care Center for an unrelated patient. When nursing staff run outside to tell both the officer and the paramedics on scene that a separate patient needs to be taken to the hospital immediately. However, the paramedics said that they were not allowed to enter the, quote, problematic facility due to an unspecified COVID-19 law, which they said required the patient to be brought outside to them. But since the patient was receiving chest compressions and was on a bed without wheels, this was nearly impossible for the nursing staff to accomplish. So instead, the officer rushes inside to push the wheel-less bed outside. Now that portion of the video, what happens next, was omitted from the video, released to the public, likely due to the sensitive nature of the situation. So instead, here are the moments leading up to it. Where is he?
1: They're not going to come in. They're saying it's a state law that they can't come in
2: cardiac he's, he's completely
3: out. We're doing
0: pressure we cannot move him. While we're doing oh my God, <laughs> The patient was eventually transported to the local hospital where he was pronounced dead 30 minutes later. Is this the world that Frum and his ilk want? Obviously we can't see that this policy had anything to do with vaccine specifically, or that the patient would have lived if the paramedics had gotten to him sooner. Instead, the greater point to be made here is the arbitrariness of these COVID policies in general that quite literally get people killed or force them to jump through dehumanizing hoops while they're dying. As my first guest tonight quotes in his latest article, George Orwell once said that some ideas are so stupid that only intellectuals believe them. And ain't that the truth? The Rialto City Fire Department's acting chief called the video footage troubling, and he reassured the public that an independent and in an outside investigation will be done into the matter now speaking of my guest and going back to the issue of vaccines specifically it's obvious that the vaccines are not working the way they were supposed to which my guest argues is a refutation to the mass vaccination push by from and others so join me now to discuss is daniel horowitz he's a senior editor at glenn beck's the blaze and he's the host of the conservative review podcast thanks for being here tonight daniel
2: great to be back with you Kara.
0: So in your latest piece that we just had on the screen, you note how we've had more COVID deaths this year than last year, despite the vaccines, and that the latest variant, although much more mild, mainly affects the vaccinated. What's going on here?
2: In fact, it turns out in Denmark, you're more than twice as likely to get Omicron, if you're vaccinated in Israel, 76 uh, percent of those confirmed with this variant are triple vaxxed. Almost nobody uh, who has is unvaccinated. So even adjusting for their vaccination rates, uh, most people have it, have the shots. Uh, you know, until now, they were able to fudge the data And kind of like the old middle age uh, blood libels where everything was the Jews fault. It's always the unvaccinated. But the reality is now there's nowhere to run or hide because you have countries like Denmark and the Netherlands and South Korea where virtually every adult is vaccinated. And the case rates and the deaths in in South Korea are blowing out anything that you had pre-vaccine. And that that simply doesn't make any sense. Um, What we should have seen this year was, you know, maybe a little bit of lingering death and certainly mainly among the unvaccinated. But what we're seeing is much more death, as you mentioned in the opener there, we have a 45 percent greater number of deaths the last three months this year than the same period last year before there was a single shot again. This lends credence to uh, Dr. Vandenbosch's theory that when you have a leaky vaccine that's non-sterilizing, it's not better than nothing. It's not a half a loaf is better than a full loaf. It's a negative, poisonous loaf. It makes the virus more virulent. Now, luckily, the new uh, variant, uh, most people in the hospital still, it's it's from Delta, but the newer variant does appeal, appear to be very mild. But to the extent that they're saying we have to panic over it, It's all the vaccinated, so based on their own standard, we should ban the vaccine to stop the spread.
0: And going back to this idea of the leaky vaccines, I know it's something that you've really been covering in depth for a while now. And also in your article, you you link to a video that's getting new attention. It was actually from March 2020, I believe. It was an interview between Mark Zuckerberg and Dr. Fauci. And they're talking about this idea of half-baked vaccines, as you're talking about, that if, if it's not a quote-unquote perfect vaccine, that actually could create uh, worse ripple effects down the line. Talk to us about some of that uh, video.
2: Sure. I mean, you know, what you see from there is that Fauci from day one, before he saw this as a political opportunity, the actual science was flowing from his mouth. Uh, Vaccines are not like, uh, you know, a vitamin D pill that, hey, you know, even if it doesn't work, it's great to take anyway. Um, This is you have to get it absolutely perfect, because if you don't get it perfect, what happens is when you challenge a virus with suboptimal evolutionary pressure then it actually gets stronger around it. Everyone understands that phenomenon when it comes to antibiotics. You can't have half-baked antibiotics. It's the same thing here. Um, It actually gets stronger. It has to really be perfect and neutralizing. Otherwise, it becomes a Trojan horse and it binds to it and actually guides it through your cells. And this was proven through an aborted, faulty RSV vaccine, a dengue fever vaccine, and then the Merrick's chicken vaccine where it actually made it worse, and this is leakier than anything. I mean, they're getting it more. They 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 get and spread it more than anyone. So this is why we are seeing greater mortality this year. Um, yes, unvaccinated are dying too. But you know what, Kara? It's kind of like someone wearing a, a fire suit. That gives them a little bit of protection and then sprays everyone and they're like, hey, you should wear the fire suit too. Well, why don't you take off yours and let's focus all on the monoclonal antibodies, ivermectin and the proper treatment and the proper steroids and we would keep 98% of the people out of the hospital from day one. We would have never had this worse uh, enhanced variant and we get on with our lives.
0: And, and speaking of early treatment and some of these other alternative treatment plans, as you mentioned there, uh, how come we don't hear more about that? I mean, every time you turn on the TV, whether it be uh, program shows or the commercials in between the shows, everything's about uh, be vaccinated, be vaccinated. Just the other day, we saw people being arrested, I believe, at an Applebee's uh, because they wanted to enter the restaurant, I think, in New York City uh, without having their vac or taking part in the vaccine passport program. Uh, so, so why don't we hear more about the early treatments? Is it because Big Pharma likes the money rolling in with the vaccines? And- And everything else?
2: Well, look, I I could talk to your audience uh, about 40, 50 different therapeutic ideas, but let me use the one that is approved by government and was made by some aspects of big pharma, either Eli Lilly, Regeneron, or GSK, um, the, the monoclonal antibodies. Look, the data is clear on that. Not only does it almost provide pretty perfect protection if you get it early on, at least so far with the existing variants, but it's actually shown to have a prophylactic effect up to eight months. That that's a, va- that's a greater vaccine than the shots, which absolutely do not provide protection. They're more likely to get it. Uh, why are we not pushing this? You go. I want your audience to go to your state uh, COVID dashboard. And unless you're in Florida and maybe a few others, you will not find a word on the dashboard. I know I did this in Indiana about the monoclonals. It's all about the boosters. And that makes no sense. I mean, think about all these seniors who are dying from the side effects of the shots, and then the shots don't even work for them. And, you know, they're left with nothing. Why aren't we not proactively giving them the monoclonals? And obviously, the answer is itself. You know, Oxford was claiming they were going to study ivermectin since June, and they never studied it. They said they don't have enough supply. Well, I have Seven Cells Pharmacy partnered with my show. They could get They've already gotten to my audience about 10,000 courses, very easy. There's a few thousand in the Oxford study. Uh, if they want to call me up, we can get them the product. There's no supply problem there. We all know why they don't want to do this. Uh, they don't want to find out the answer because the reality is, had people got, had these uh, access to these options from day one, this entire issue, this entire false choice would have been moot.
0: And then just before I let you go tonight just I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the the recent decision we heard from the Supreme Court in uh, refusing to hear a case coming out of the state of New York about healthcare workers wanting exemptions, religious exemptions to the vaccine mandates being forced on them. And I believe it was justices Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh who actually sided with the liberal wing of the court in denying hearing that case and in denying here having it brought before the Supreme Court justices. Uh, what do you make of that decision? Because what I'm seeing a a lot right now that really makes me sick to my stomach is this nasty condescension to people who, for their own reasons, have decided that the vaccines are not for them.
2: Well, look, when you understand what this does both to your innate and adaptive immune systems for the rest of your life, there is a, a big religious problem with it, the way it destroys uh, God's immune system. Um, but what I would say is that it, it's funny, just uh, this year, we, we found from those very same justices they believe that a state doesn't have the power to keep boys at a girl's bathroom so they're you know somehow states are all powerful they could uh force something into your body that's problematic and doesn't even stop spread there's no state in other words there's no vital state interest that could be identified because it literally doesn't affect another person at best it would affect maybe your outcomes and you know somehow no the state could do whatever they want But when it comes to states cleaning up homeless encampments, no, you have a right to camp out on the streets. You're violating their constitutional rights. We were told by the Ninth Circuit, Supreme Court affirmed that. Um, You know, it's interesting. We were told in the Bostock case that transgenderism is now part of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. So you can't uh, fire someone for coming, cross-dressing, disruptive behavior like that. But somehow, religious liberty, which is in Title VII, that you have to accommodate Uh, religious uh, concerns unless it creates an undue burden which certainly this does not because it does not affect people and in fact the vaccinated are spreading it more somehow nope there's no religious liberty right Uh, even a broken clock is right twice not our courts it's going to take the red state legislatures and governors have to finally stand up
0: all great points there Daniel thanks for joining us tonight
2: take care
4: war room pandemic here's your host Stephen k bannon but i gotta start there's breaking news so we've carved out time for a very special guy who we think the world of uh darren Beatty, over at uh, revolver.news this is about this activity on on january 6th you've got a major story that just went up i want you to walk folks through this this blockbuster story that you've been working on for weeks and weeks and weeks on revolver news tell us what's going on
1: Yes, we've been working tirelessly on this since our last bombshell piece on the Ray Epps saga, which took the nation by storm and which I've spoken about quite frequently on your show. And so I'm going to assume that most of your readers remember that piece. That is this individual Ray Epps who is in the mountains of video documentary evidence on 1-6. He's the only person documented to have been calling for going into the Capitol in advance in fact we have him on video multiple times calling to go into the capital the day before one six and that's just isn't some you know drunk crazy guy with a crazy idea and that's that's the end of it on january 6 he's a veritable where, where's waldo he's everywhere all leading up to the first decisive breach of Capitol grounds at 1253 long before The Trump speech ended, by the way. Leading up to that initial breach, Ray Epps whispers in a man's ear, and then two seconds later, that decisive and fateful initial breach occurred. Now, Ray Epps remains unindicted. As we reported, the feds seem to have zero interest in him, which is a change because he used to be one of the 20 people featured on the feds' most wanted list. After Revolver.News published our report, The day after, they quietly scrubbed him off. And so that's where we left off. This sequel piece, this follow-up to the Ray Epps story is huge and explosive, and everyone should go to revolver.news now, read it in its entirety, and share it. What does it do? This tells the true story of what happened on 1-6, the story that's been covered up by the entire official narrative. The official story is that the January 6th really kicked into gear with the Proud Boys basically converging on that initial breach site. But what we show is that Ray Epps is actually the individual involved in that breach site. And what we show is a story of several people who are hanging out by the peace monument before the Proud Boys even get there. And curiously enough... This number of individuals who are hanging out before the Proud Boys get there play key and decisive roles in the initial breach, in cutting fencing and removing fencing, setting up a booby trap before Trump's speech is over and before the crowds were heralded to the Capitol. In short, we have a handful of people, key figures, five to be exact, who play decisive roles from very early on, were unindicted and whose actions collectively together with Ray Epps set the conditions for the 1-6 to turn from a rally into a riot. We tell the story how it actually happened, and we tell it using key individuals, not just Epps, who coordinate with Epps, who created the conditions for 1-6 turning into um, a riot. And uh, that's... You know, there's a lot more stuff in there, but that's the essence of this piece that I encourage everyone to go to revolver.news and read in its entirety.
4: Okay, here's what I got to understand now, and this is the blockbuster piece of it. This is the blockbuster yeah. piece of it, is that um, the blockbuster piece is you're saying, that, and you've done timelines, because this article is is, is very detailed, that yeah. shows that these people were up there before President Trump Ended his speech, or even did what what uh, what they they play it over and over again on a loop on MSNBC when he said, "Hey, I think we ought to march peacefully up to the Capitol, right?" Before that speech ended, these yeah. guys, the, these five that you've identified, the Ray Epps posse, right, mm-hmm. his 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 collaborators, they're already up there, actually technically physically breaching the 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 the, the barriers at the Capitol.
1: Yes. So, yes, that's an important point, because um, I think a lot of your viewers and a lot of people don't quite understand this. So uh, the initial breach, this what I call the Ray Epps breach, the breach that occurred two seconds after Ray Epps whispers in a certain individual's ear, that breach occurs at 1253. That's almost a half hour before the Trump speech is over. And so the decisive story here is you have a number of individuals who are breaching the grounds, who are decisively cutting and removing fencing. And what that does is that creates the condition such that when all the rally goers uh, go to the Capitol, they don't see any barriers because they've been removed. They don't see fencing. So it's been removed. And ordinarily, on ordinary days, that ground is entirely free. It's not restricted. So by removing those barriers and removing the fencing and having no trace of it, you're setting people into a booby trap because when they cross these now invisible barriers, they're actually committing a crime. And certain people have actually been indicted for this, just not even knowing that they committed a crime because they didn't see any fencing. And so that's a decisive part of the story. But I think more important than this happened before the end of the Trump speech, this happened. These people, these key people, were loitering around the peace monument before the Proud Boys got there. And the reason that's so important is that the official story says that everything started with these Proud Boys here. Now, I think it would be a hell of a coincidence if a, if a number of decisive individuals who are involved in agitating the crowds, removing the barriers, everything from the very beginning, all unindicted if these decisive people showed up at the same place at roughly the same time before the Proud Boys got there and they all ended up taking key roles in the event uh, throughout the entire day, and these people are ignored in the mainstream account, which focuses primarily on the Proud Boys. Now, additionally interesting is we know, or we have strong reason to suspect, that the feds were reading the Proud Boys text messages. And in fact, some of the people who led the Proud Boys to that location have admitted that they're in regular communication with the FBI. There's a very strong likelihood that the feds knew where the Proud Boys were going to be. And given this new narrative presented in this revolver.news piece, it seems like a very strong possibility that the feds said, okay, we know the Proud Boys are gonna be at this location. We're going to text a bunch of our people to go hang out there beforehand and make sure that this thing kicks off into a riot. And that's precisely what happened. And the conditions were set precisely for it to go down like that. But every angle from the crowd agitators to the fence cutters, to ushering people here and there and everywhere toward the Capitol to tell people to keep moving forward and so forth. This is the story of the setup. We know there was a setup before, but this shows the mechanics of the setup, how exactly it happened, and introduces a number of key individuals who have been unheard of in the mainstream press and remain unindicted to this day.
4: how the trap was set. I want to go back and we only got five minutes here, but I just want to go back and make sure because this is of a piece, and this is why revolvers so important, and Darren Beatty particularly so important. You've got the Michigan piece of the set of things you've done in Michigan, which is the preamble. That's the twelve, I think, of the twenty. It used to be eighteen, but I think twelve of the twenty-six now are either federal agents or informants right. in the kidnapping, right. in the in the phony kidnapping of Whitmer, right? And the head FBI guy goes right. back to D.C. Then your second big piece was the original Ray Epps, Meet Ray Epps, who's, uh, and Ray Epps is former, what, military and law enforcement also, and, and you've got he all the video. Former he's former uh, military,
1: he's a Marine, and he's also, uh, notably, a former head of the Arizona chapter of the Oath Keepers, which is a heavily prosecuted militia group associated with 1-6 and um there's a whole other story and we I've talked about, Spirit rose and everything on yeah. other segments. So he he's he has his fingers in a lot of pies, let's put it that way.
4: No now, now now you've got now you've got the trap being set. And the key here is he's actually got the individuals and you can see they're they're up there getting this ready. Trump's still speaking. Trump hasn't even right. asked people to go up. They're right. they're up there and, they're, they're they're prepping and if I as, could, they're prepping. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead
1: if I could just quickly introduce just the implausibility of Ray Epps and these other key figures traveling in many cases across the entire country. Some, many of these key figures, two of them are from Texas. Ray Epps is from Arizona. It's not across the street to get to the nation's capital. They have to travel across the country. So they travel across the country to go to this Trump rally. Presumably they're so dedicated to Trump that they do this. They're wearing Trump Gear and so forth. But after traveling all that way, they decide to just not go to the rally at all and instead just hang out near the peace monument a half hour before it all ends and spend their time removing barriers and breaching and instigating the crowd. It just doesn't make sense, in addition to the fact that they're unindicted. And in some cases, we know that the FBI knows who they are. In fact, one of the individuals we talk about who's known as Black Ski Mask Individual, who's on camera tearing down fencing, we know that the feds know who he was because just the day before, he was picked up in an largely unreported, very bizarrely unreported uh, instance in which there was a, a van that was stopped on suspicion that it had explosives and it did have firearms and everyone in the van was taken out. They were questioned. They tried to get DNA swabs. And this guy who was cutting the fences, he was in that van. So the feds know who he was because he was picked up by the feds the day prior. And yet they have no interest in him and, and don't arrest him, don't okay. indict him for anything. And it's the same story okay. for the others.
4: We, we got to bounce by I got to set this perspective. Remember, it's the FBI and the Justice Department told us this is the biggest investigation in American history. This is bigger right. than looking for Nazis in World War II. This is bigger than looking for guys in the communists here in the 50s. This is bigger than the Vietnam War protests. This is bigger than the infiltration of the Black Panthers or the civil rights groups. Simonese Liberation Army, take Pickett, the, 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 the jihadist in Brooklyn, the blind sheik. This is the largest in history they've told us that. And you got right. Darren Beattie, break in monumental stories where's the investigation i want to say everything to potential whistleblowers out there the fbi justice department sheriff so I mean, you pick it this is all going to come out in a formal process starting after we run the tables in november 2022 darren Beatty's setting the table now but this is all going to be formalized this is all going to be adjudicated yeah. so people should come forward now this is all going to be adjudicated we got to bounce this is a blockbuster we had to change the show around, but you're always worth it. Tell people how they get to you, how you get to social media, go how you get to re- your site.
1: The best way to support us and to support this painstaking and crucial research, go to revolver.news right now, read the piece, and share it with any everyone. The more important the piece, the more they try to censor it. We need to overcome that. Let's be force multipliers and spread this word out. It's crucial.
4: You're a hero and a patriot, Darren Bean, the team at Revolver.
3: It's been over a year since the 2020 presidential election, and the media still cannot shut up about Donald Trump. You know, it's ironic that the man made his fortune off real estate because now he's living rent-free in the brain space of left-wing politicians and pundits who continue to obsess over him despite his having been out of office for a year. But as pathetic as that is, it's not really hard to understand why as we come up on the first year anniversary of Uncle Joe's swing at the plate. The Biden administration has been such an embarrassing failure at everything. His media butt kissers can't even put enough glitter on that turd. So they have to fill their time talking about a president who's been gone for 11 months. Because it's better than talking about the one we've got now. So now here's a question. Just how bad do you have to suck that the guy you supposedly beat is still a more popular topic than you? Well, here's how bad. So now I get why Hillary Clinton can't shut up about Donald Trump, pretty sure he broke her. I'm surprised she's still not sitting in a corner hugging her knees and watching 2016 DNC runs. But now the media would rather yammer incessantly about Trump. The man who hasn't even stepped foot in the Oval Office since last January, then deal with the dumpster fire that is the Biden administration. Because to talk about current events would prove that the left has absolutely no clue what they're doing, and that putting them in charge of the world's most powerful country was like handing a three-year-old a box of crayons and expecting him to draw you the Mona Lisa. It's been a year, and this is still what we get from the elites who supposedly bring us the news
4: the former president on the phone with the Georgia secretary of state uh, asking him to find really demanding he find 11,780 votes that don't exist.
0: The same former president this weekend last night told an interview on the Fox News channel that he fired the FBI director, James Comey, when he was president in order to stop FBI investigations that he believed would result in him being
3: removed as president. Disturbingly, the last administration saw our democracy in crisis with a vote rogue president who trampled over the guardrails protecting our republic.
1: Donald Trump and his allies did everything they possibly could, tried every possible avenue to overthrow a democratic election. His two big promises were to get COVID behind us and to get rid of Donald Trump. COVID's not behind us and Donald Trump's still lurking.
3: By now, the media, you would think, would eventually have figured out something else to talk about. I mean, it's not like we haven't had other things going on. Here, I'll help. You could talk about, I don't know, the fact that the price of consumer goods has jumped nearly 7% over the past year. The sharpest increase in the past four decades. Now, of course, to do that, though, you'd have to talk about why things like shipping problems, a shortage of truckers and employers struggling to hire enough workers, all of which have been worsened by the Biden administration's total screw up of the COVID crisis. They're pumping billions of unemployment subsidies and stimulus cash into the economy. They're tyrannical vaccine mandates that are costing businesses money and forcing people to choose between a shot that they don't want and a job that they need. Don't worry guys though, because none of that matters, because according to Biden, inflation is totally normal, and temporary, and because of COVID, and really a rich people's problem. And it's all Republicans' fault, and spending trillions more on federal programs will absolutely help fix it, and insert today's excuse here. Hopefully all that bullcrap makes you feel better about having to pay more for everything from houses and cars to groceries, clothing, gas, and Christmas presents. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of gas, you know, the media could talk about how people are paying over a dollar more per gallon at the pump, and that's if you're lucky. Now, of course, if you did that, you'd have to talk about how the Biden administration shut down the Keystone XL pipeline, how he's gone to war against the fossil fuel industry and American energy independence to appease the Birkenstock brigade, and how he's about to start charging gas companies even more to drill for oil on federal land. And guess who those companies are going to pass that cost right on to? Hi. So, no gas, okay. The media could talk about Biden's foreign policy and the unmitigated disaster that's been. But, you know, Afghanistan is still a sore spot. Russia looks about ready to invade Ukraine. China's eyeing Taiwan like a dog drooling over a chicken leg. Iran's closer to developing a nuke, and this administration has all the spinal fortitude of a wet spaghetti noodle to do jack diddly about it. So, better steer clear of that. Immigration. After all, Biden promised to fix the Nazi concentration camps that Trump left behind, yeah, So now our border has more holes than Swiss cheese. More than 1.7 million illegal aliens caught last fiscal year alone. The mayor of Yuma, Arizona just declared a state of emergency after local border agents caught 6,000 illegal aliens in the span of just five days. So we all see how swimmingly that's going. The truth of the matter is that the media cannot shut up about Donald Trump because everything about Joe Biden sucks so hard it would make all of our overpriced eggnog taste bad. This administration has been an abject failure at everything it has touched. We've got a senile president wandering around looking for his lost tube of polygrip, a vice president who's been about as useful as a fork in a sugar bowl, and a Democrat-controlled Congress that spends its days debating the ethics of Japanese cartoons. Crime in our cities has hit record highs, federal spending is in the stratosphere, and kids are still going to school in face diapers. Absolutely nothing from the economy to gas prices to the border to our standing on the world stage is one iota better than it was this time last year. In fact, it's arguably a lot worse. So the left has to keep talking about Trump and the manufactured insurrection because he's still all they've got. Because they certainly don't have any answers to this mess. The most frustrating thing is, millions of us knew that they never did. And that's your Reality Check America. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube and Rumble pages. Like us on Facebook and Twitter. Stay sane out there. Add another thing to the ever-growing list of crap that's racist. Outdoor recreation. No lie, national parks and camping with your family is now yet another evil divider between the ruling white class and poor oppressed minorities, who don't feel the great outdoors is a safe space for them at least that's according to CNN, who claims that outdoor recreation has historically excluded people of color, because apparently nature just isn't big enough for all of us. Now before you get annoyed at the everything is racist pitchfork parade, let's take a moment to remember who the real enemy is here, because this is not about race at all, it's about power. The good folks over at CNN have found yet another racist aspect of life to be incensed over. Outdoor recreation. Yep, kayaking and hiking and camping and bonfires, etc. All totally racist historically aligned against black folks and now they're calling on someone to fix the supposed nature gap between outdoorsy white people and black people who apparently don't feel like the woods are a safe space for them to correct the historical institutional racism that has banished people of color from the great outdoors. What is this? What black person in their right mind has ever just been going about their day and found themselves wondering, you know what I feel oppressed by today? Carabiners. Actually, according to one website that I found that made me laugh until I cried, the word carabiner, which is the term for this little rock climbing doohickey here, might be offensive to Latinos because the second half of the word is beaner. And although that's spelled differently, it's audibly identical to a racial slang term for Mexicans. Honest to Pete, you cannot make this stuff up. Except that apparently you can because someone did. So now let me break this down for you. It's simple, like basic math before Common Core. Real easy. Here we go. The people who come up with this nonsense, they know it's bullcrap. They know camping isn't racist, just like they know grades aren't racist, or picnics, or the OK sign, or carabiners. They're not stupid. They think we are, though, because, see, the left wants you and I to hate each other. They want black folks and white folks not only to not get along, but to despise and fear one another. They want minorities to feel oppressed by everything under the sun, and they want white people to feel guilty about it or to get sick of it and lash out. They want division. Take this Denver elementary school, for example, just got caught this week with a sign right out front advertising a families of color only playground event. There's literally no point to something like that other than to divide. That's the entire idea. Whites in one corner, everyone else in another. You know, for equality. Or to make sure that racism stays alive and well and at the forefront of everyone's worldview. Why would leftists want to do this? Easy, because that's how they grab power, and money, and control. If we're busy fighting one another, we don't notice how rich and powerful they're getting off of the chaos. See, they set up a system in which everything is racist, from yoga to law school to kayaks. The whole world is designed to oppress people of color, and we should teach that to kindergartners so it's instilled in their little brains before they can even write their own names, because then, The government can come up with all kinds of big, expensive programs to fix said racism. Welfare, wealth redistribution, re-education programs, mandates on private businesses, crackdowns on state and local law enforcement. There's no limit to what the government can impose in the name of equality. No amount of power they can't seize or money they can't steal. And the career politicians and pundits and professors and movement leaders running all of this garbage rake in the fame and the cash. You think they give two rips about you? These are the people who rant about climate change and then build mansions on the beach and fly around in private jets. They're the ones who say border walls are racist and then they build one around their house. Who say public schools are the backbone of America then stick their own kids in private academies. They don't care whether you're oppressed or not, only that you feel like you are so that they can swoop in with the magic solution and save you from the fictitious boogeyman of racism that they ginned up in the first place. Look at the chick who helped found Black Lives Matter, girl's got like three mansions. You think she's really concerned about systemic racism from her gated digs in Beverly Hills? Here's the deal, in case you weren't clear, outdoor recreation is not racist. You wanna go wander around Yosemite or hike the Adirondacks, world's your oyster. Math is not racist, picnics aren't racist, yoga is not racist. What is racist is thinking minorities are pawns to be used for political gain by convincing them to kill their own children and treating them like stupid little victims who need the government to hold their hand just to go outside. It's not white versus black. It's truth versus lies. It's freedom versus victimhood. It's not me versus you. It's us versus them. And that's your reality check, America. Make sure you subscribe to our Rumble and YouTube pages, like us on Facebook and Twitter, and stay sane out there.